You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1282 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday. And today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And today's podcast will be by self breaking down the Summer League finale on Saturday afternoon slash evening. Here on the East Coast, I am back from Las Vegas. You can see if you're watching on YouTube, probably even potentially here uh, in terms of audio quality, but I am back at home after a long journey in the desert and uh, playing to get to on this podcast. I'm going to save my thoughts on Tyrese Martin's new contract for the end of the show, so stay tuned for all that, and we'll dive into the game that transpired on Saturday. It was, was, of course, the finale for the Hawks. At the time of our last recording, I did not know when the Hawks would be playing again. I knew it was going to be either Saturday or Sunday. But uh, shortly after that, word came down. It was actually the first game of the day on Saturday and the first game of the weekend because basically the way that Summer League lays out is um, the first four games are scheduled for every team, and then the fifth game is up in the air until the very end, and the Hawks, play, Hawks and Cavs play the first game that was available to them on Saturday. So uh, that's a present for the Hawks. I'm sure they would like to get home to their families, and they're probably home by this point as I'm recording this, but uh, a nice little get, going away gift for the Hawks uh, staffers, players, front office, trainers, etc., on this Saturday, but we'll get into the game now. The Hawks get a, uh, at least they were competitive down the stretch of this one. They lost, they, they trailed for most of the game and lost 94 90 to fall to two and three in Las Vegas. If you missed anything from earlier in the week, I covered all of that on the podcast, but a nice comfort behind victory in the fourth game to kind of even things up, get a second victory, have some morale boost there. And then today is more of a, uh, one of those getaway games. Uh, in fact, the two most high profile players. On these two rosters, A.J. Griffin for the Hawks and Ochai Baji for the Cavs, the first-round picks on both sides. Neither one of those guys played in this one. In fact, Griffin missed the entirety of Summer League. He is still out at this point in time. No further update. As I report on Thursday, he had a clean MRI. They did not show anything concerning at all. That's obviously a positive for A.J. Griffin, but he missed all five games with what the Hawks were calling right foot discomfort. I would not panic about this at all. He did an uh, NBA TV interview before tip-off on Saturday and said he basically was just trying to be a leader and trying to speak up and use his great opportunities to uh, use his voice in this setting um, this week. Everyone is still upbeat about this on the record, off the record, et cetera, about his foot. Obviously, there are no games scheduled for the Hawks between now and October, so he will not have the opportunity to publicly prove himself, but I would imagine that he'll be in the gym working as soon as he's possibly cleared by trainers. And uh, by all reports from McMillan and others, he was in the gym every day before he actually started having the foot pain in advance of summer league. So uh, that's lays on Griffin. He did not play, unfortunately, as I've been saying the whole time, not the biggest deal in the world contact wise in terms of like, I don't even know. Excitement level is probably the way to describe it. I know Hawks fans wanted to see him in Vegas. Honestly, I wanted to see him in Vegas for my own scouting purposes. But um, at the end of the day, he misses five games. They're not hugely consequential to his development. And uh, if all things are okay with the foot, this won't be too big of a setback for Griffin or anybody else involved. As for the rest of the game itself, actually, the Hawks had four guys that were out in this one, and it became five during the game. Justin Tillman it was the most prominent name outside of Griffin. He left the game on Thursday, as I talked about on the show after that game. In the fourth quarter, he was he kind of went down holding his right 
leg slash knee, and the Hawks listed him as out today with right knee soreness. That's all I have on that. There's no further update from the top from the Hawks, but he missed this game. Um, Max Heidegger and James Akinjo also out for the Hawks in this one, and then Sharif Cooper, as we'll get into later on, left this game at halftime and never returned. So a little bit of a shorthanded cast of characters for this one for the Hawks. I'll, I'll sort of go through what transpired in this one and sort of some bigger takeaways at the end of the podcast. Um, it was Alpha Kaba. Former Hawks second round pick starting in place of Tillman in this one. Otherwise, the same group that had been starting uh, of Cooper, Tyrese Martin, Joel Ayayi, and Shondi Brown going a little bit smaller. A couple of nice plays by Martin, who is the story of the day really for the Hawks beyond Griffin's absence. He had, he had a duck in the, in the open minutes, All couple, also a couple of catch and shoot threes in the first quarter. Uh, the Hawks were down as many as 10, though, early on. Really, again, contrailed the entire game for the most part. They did shoot it pretty well from three in the first half, cooled off after that, unfortunately for them. But rotationally, they used everybody that they had available in this game. And the fact that all 11 guys that played, uh, played in the first 12 minutes. So the Hawks were trying to get everybody involved on their way out of town. Anthony DeRuji played some more time at the four. They used Shawnee Brown at the on the wing spot a little bit more. Chandler Hutchinson played after he did not play at all on Thursday. Played some, mostly at the three in this game. Former first-round pick that was on the Hawks roster. And again, every healthy guy played early and often in this one. In fact, they all played at least uh, 11 minutes. And 11 minutes was Sharif Cooper who only played in the first half. So uh, really, they try to balance things out a lot on the way out the door. Uh, Hawks were down by as many as, uh, as many as 11 before halftime, and they actually read this beautiful ATO play, actually. Shots to Nick Van Exel and the staff for this one. Ended up with a pass from Etienne to Grant Golden. He actually missed the layup. It was a beautiful play, though. Ended up being a, a bucket on that possession after he, got, uh, after he got, sort of got the rebound for himself. But it was a pretty interesting play call and play design. And I definitely would recommend, by the way, if you want some more visual aid on that stuff, Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops, former guest of this podcast, frequent guest of this podcast, I would say, did a full write-up of the of what transpired on Saturday. It's, it's a great video analysis breakdowns in that piece. But Hawks had a couple nice runs in this one. One, it was 8-0 late in the first half. Um, Cooper was famously uh, pretty, uh, let's just say passive in this one. As I talked about earlier in, this, in, in the week and also with my podcast with Graham Chapel on Thursday, Sharif is very passive the first few games of Summer League and then almost shot the ball like almost too much in Thursday's game. And then he went back to being passive in this one. Did not take a shot for the first, like, I don't know, 15 plus minutes of this game. Ended up taking two and they're both in a very short period of time at the end of the half. Uh, a weird performance there. In some respects, um, the Hawks were down by four at the halftime break after Chris Clemens beat the buzzer on a bucket. They shot better from three than two in the first half, which is not always bad, but usually not the greatest sign in the world. They were eight of nine at the line and shot. Brown had 13 points in the first half, but it was pretty cool for everybody else in terms of their effectiveness before halftime. We'll get into all of what transpired after the half uh, sort of briefly and also some player takeaways, etc. But uh, the big news going into halftime was that Sharif Cooper was ruled out of action with right thumb soreness. You might remember this from earlier in the process, but there was some consternation about Cooper's thumb before the first game in Summer League. In fact, the way it was reported originally was that Cooper and Griffin were the guys that were held out of that first practice before the games actually started in Las Vegas. Cooper ended up playing, but after that first game, everyone agreed from Cooper to Van Exel, et cetera, that he was still kind of favoring that thumb. People were asking me how much that had to do with his poor play, which we'll come back to later on in the podcast, but... I will say it was probably a factor. It was not the factor for Cooper. But anyway, he left the game. That's why he was ruled out, and they did announce that during the halftime break. So that was kind of the big news in the middle of that. In the second half, it was Clemens in place of Cooper. They also used uh, Etienne as a primary ball handler, and also Tyrese Martin handled the ball quite a bit in the second half as well. Um, Martin and Shawnee Brown went, both went a little bit cold in the third quarter, missing some pretty decent looks. I thought for a minute they were going to pull the plug on Martin and Brown. And honestly, I probably would have in this game with nobody playing for the Cavs either. But they ended up going back to both guys in the fourth quarter to try to make the make a run of things. Martin had a couple of nice plays in the fourth quarter with a three-point play right away attacking the rim. Um, 
he made, he made a couple layups in transition, putting pressure uh, on the Cavs, um, sort of pushing the ball down their throats a little bit. Etienne hit a three, and the Hawks were get, get, got all the way back to tie the game with four minutes to go. And then there were some flexing plays, as you might expect, in a summer league setting down the stretch. Not a whole lot to uh, sort of dive into, but they got some stops. But uh, offensive rebounding was a problem. They, that was, in terms of they were allowing too many second-chance opportunities for the Cavs in the final minutes. They ended up kind of being a, back, a back-breaking sequence in the final, like, two minutes when they allowed back-to-back offensive rebounds for sort of a four-point play for the Cavs, and they ended up losing the game by exactly four points. At any rate, uh, that's all I got for the actual game itself. And I'll give you some numbers and all that stuff after the break. But first, it worked from our sponsors on the show. And uh, really, the main sponsor of the podcast today, as I said before, is Bet Online. Summer League is wrapping up now in Las Vegas, and the draft and most of free agency are in the past. All eyes on the future in the NBA world. With that in mind, Bet Online is the place to go to fire away on the futures market. And Bet Online is the number one place for all of your sports betting needs and information, both in the near future and always. Find all of the latest odds, news, and developments in the sports world. That includes Summer League odds, of course major event stuff, MLB odds and scores, latest fights, and next season's futures in and, and, and the NBA, and NHL, NFL, college basketball, and much more. Also, the golf tournament. The Open is still going on right now as I'm recording this podcast, and there'll be some matchups and stuff on Sunday. Always a fun time to check out. I've been online when it comes to golf major events. And they have other stuff, too, for wagering avenues like live betting, esports. They have poker. They have casino games and much more. And they have other sports involved. Talked about hockey and golf already, but tennis, soccer, auto racing, rugby, lacrosse, table tennis, horse racing, cricket, entertainment bets, and any sport you could possibly think of. Also, rules football is also in the mix there. I know some friends that like that venue. But uh, basically, if they have it, if, if it exists in the world, they probably have it available at Bet Online. If you want to check that out today, head there right now and create a mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. So back to the podcast now in terms of what happened on Saturday and we'll sort of go a little bit, little bit big picture later on in the show. But basically the Hawks, as you probably have followed the, if you have followed the entire way, the offense has been the problem the entire way in summer league. And that was the case in this one that cooled off a lot. Actually, I shot the ball okay in this game, better than they had been. Got to the line a decent amount. But uh, defensively, they had, we had some uh, rough moments in this one, a lot of 94 points in, in 40 minutes etc um player stuff from today i thought martin was pretty good not super efficient in terms of his uh, two-point shooting he was only uh sorry three-point shooting he was two of seven from there five ten on twos but four assists three rebounds a steal and a block he was pretty good overall and was probably their best player on the whole in summer league the only competition there was sean d brown who had 17 points on 12 shooting possessions in this game he shot the ball very well from the perimeter on the whole four rebounds and assist and a steal for sean d as well other than that, there was not a whole lot to write, up, write home about in this game. Etienne, after the huge game that he had on Thursday, was a little bit more human in this one. 13 points on 12 shooting possessions. It's totally fine, but nothing uh, spectacular. Chris Clemens is a veteran who knows what he knows what to do on a basketball court. Ended up shooting very well and having 16 points off the bench in this one. But uh, yeah, not a whole lot to like write home about across the board here. Uh, we'll get into some big picture takeaways, though, now from Summer League on the whole. And the biggest one, unfortunately, is Sharif Cooper. So beyond AJ Griffin's absence, the number one talking point nationally, people asking me questions as sort of the Hawks guy around Las Vegas, et cetera, was like, was Sharif Cooper, honestly. And uh, the numbers were uh, pretty gross for Sharif. Obviously, the thumb thing was out there in the ether um, from before summer league all the way through. And I'm sure that had something to do with a little bit of his struggles. But it's hard for me to attribute all of what he uh, struggled with to only a sore thumb, even on a shooting hand. And I probably, again, that probably didn't matter on some level, but the numbers are pretty bad. So in summer league, in the five games, he averaged 4.4 points, 4.2 assists, 3.3 turnovers, and he shot, wait for it, 7 of 37 from the floor. That is 18.9% from the floor in the five games. He was 2 of 11 from three. 
and uh, got to the line only nine times in five games. Um, that's really bad. I, there's no way around that. You know, I talked about it a little bit. I thought he was better in games three and game four than he was in the first two games or than he was in today's game. But even then, that's kind of grading on a curve. And uh, quite frankly, I'm a, I'm a big Sharif fan. I thought he was the first-round talent in that draft two years ago. But uh, if you did not know that he was supposed to be a prospect coming into this week, you would not have come away with the fact that he, was, he, should, he should be a prospect. Um, there is one important thing, though. People keep asking me. The number one question I got today was basically like, okay, what, have, what happens with Cooper now contractually? And I talked about it a little bit earlier. I tweeted about it as well. But my general thought right now is that if I had to guess, this is a guess, not, I am not, I want to be crucial about this, I am not reporting this, but I think that if I had to guess, Cooper will still be on a two-way contract with the Hawks this season. Now, part of that is that the Hawks did tender him a qualifying offer coming out of last year when he was technically a free agent. Um, what that basically means without going crazy into the legalese of it all is that they have the right to match any offer on him. Um, and unless he gets an offer from somewhere else, it's the Hawks bidding against themselves, basically. But importantly, even if the Hawks regretted tendering that offer, they cannot retract it on their own. Once a, This used to be differently, but now, now the rule is once you tender a qualifying offer, you cannot retract it unilaterally. So basically, if you want to pull it back, you have to ask the player to pull it back. If they say no, then and basically they can sign it, and then the Hawks would have Sharif on a two-way contract. Now, I'm not sure if it's going to get to that point. But the Hawks now, because of Martin, we'll talk about in a second, Martin signing a multi-year deal on a full contract, the Hawks now have 14 guys. Now, they could have Sharif on a full contract. They can still carry as many as 15 players. But the two-way slot's still open. They've turned in the qualifying offer. And honestly, after this week, it would surprise me if they wanted to give him a full contract. Now, two-way-wise, Sharif is totally fine. We saw him play well in the G League last year. Even with a bafflingly bad performance in Las Vegas over the last week plus, he was still a quality G League point guard last year. He's still a very own player with a lot of talent. So at the end of the day, I would guess Cooper ends up on a two-way. But uh, I, I, won't, I can't just like pour over this. I do like Sharif, but I have to be honest, it was very bad. In terms of like guys with real pedigree, like he was Mr. Basketball in the state of Georgia, obviously a pretty surprising fall in the draft. But even then, he fell like a lot and still was a top 50 pick in the draft. For a guy with that kind of pedigree and his performance, even last year in the G League, to be this bad in summer league was kind of alarming. And people kind of took notice of how bad it was um, outside the Hawks' orbit. But we'll see. Uh, I don't want to pile on too much there. But again, if I had to answer the question that everybody's asking, I would guess, again, guess, that he's on a two-way contract for next year. But nothing official at this point in time. Elsewhere, I'll save Martin for the end. Shondi Brown had a good week, I thought, in Las Vegas. 14.4 points to lead all scorers for the Hawks. About four rebounds a game. 46% from the floor, 40% from three, eight of 20. Not huge volume, but decent enough volume and 12 of 12 at the free throw line. I thought Brown performed like a guy who's on two-way contract and played just fine. Um, I've always liked his game. He is definitely more of a role player, and that's not necessarily the best the best kind of uh, player archetype for summer league basketball. But I think that he did show he's a little bit better as a small ball four option or maybe a big three option, like a, more of a bulky three defender kind of type right now. The shooting was pretty encouraging in Las Vegas in a small sample size. I think that Brown on a two-way contract is totally fine. It will not surprise me. It should not surprise you either if if Brown, because of an injury or two during the season, is going to have to play some minutes for the Hawks this year. But we'll see. And uh, he's not spectacular by any means, but a totally, totally fine performance from him in Las Vegas. Other guys have no – I'm not going to go through the entire roster. I still love Joel Ayai, who led the team in rebounding, despite being 6'5". He was quiet today, but uh, I think he'll be an interesting guy to keep an eye on moving forward. Tillman only played four games, averaged about 12 points and four rebounds a game, but a, but a block and a half. And I thought he was pretty decent in summer league. Um, still think he'll be in camp probably with the Hawks, but uh, most likely to be ticketed for the G League if he, unless he goes overseas in the next couple of months. 
And then lastly, Etienne, who had a lot of questions about on Thursday after that big performance. He ends the week with uh, 10.2 points per game, 40% from the floor, 37% from three. He'll be most likely in camp with the Hawks, as I talked about a little bit on Thursday with Graham. He's on an Exhibit 10 contract, and that basically means that he'll have a camp invite if he wants it from Atlanta, and we'll see if he's around them. But I, sort of the other way to answer questions about, about Etienne is that I would still guess that he's not on the roster in any form, maybe in, maybe in College Park for sure next year. But I think if I had to guess if he has either a roster spot, a two-way contract, or neither, I would say neither at this stage. Okay, and lastly, on the shorter podcast, because it's a weekend and all that fun stuff, we'll have more to come, I promise. We're not going to go away. By the way, if you listen to this podcast for the first time, a lot of shows might go quiet in the next couple of months. We do not do that. I'll be here for multiple times per week, all the way through the offseason. So please stay tuned for all that stuff. Anyway, Tyrese Martin was the headliner of the day. He signed a contract on Saturday morning. Uh, quickly, though, before we move on to the contract itself, he had a nice week of summer league play, which probably did not help. It's probably started, probably not hurt his case to sign that contract. But he ended up averaging 13.8 points, 3.6 rebounds, 2.2 assists, and uh, shot pretty well from the floor, 46% from the floor overall, but was uh, well into the mid-50s on twos. And then got to the line, 70 free throw attempts on the week. It's pretty solid as well. Um, not always the best three-point shooting, which is one of the question marks for Martin at this point in time, but I thought he was pretty impressive. The handle was pretty good. Attacking the rim, his control overall was pretty encouraging. I talked about a little bit on Thursday with Graham as well, but I thought Martin uh, played pretty well on the whole in Las Vegas and uh, by the end of the week was definitely peaking at the right time. Um, as for the contract itself, so Martin, as a second-round pick, there is no like explicit contract, no rookie scale for second-round picks. First-rounders, AJ Griffin's contract was very easy to talk about. It was going to be the same number, uh, no matter where he, I guess, because of where he was drafted, it was going to be the same sort of contract style and contract language all the way through. With second rounders, you're not limited to that. But at, at this point in the draft where he went 51, basically it's going to be the minimum, almost certainly, or a two-way contract. And last year we saw Skylar Mays go basically at the exact same time slot in terms of the draft pick and uh, be, a, be on a two-way contract for the Hawks. This time around, I actually heard this a few days ago. I'll say a few times even in Vegas that the Hawks and Martin were at least negotiating on a multi-year deal of some kind that was going to be team-friendly if it happened. The Hawks never announced details officially, but it's a minimum deal, from what I understand, for two seasons. Um, rookie scale, by the way, um, in terms of the rookie minimum contract, could be about a, a shade over a million dollars. We'll just say a million dollars, almost flat, for a rookie minimum. Crucially, as you get more service time, you make more money on the minimum. But rookies are the rookie minimums are the cheapest contracts in the NBA, barring 10 days, full season contracts. Other than two ways, it's a rookie minimum. It's about a million dollars for Tyrese Martin. By the way, also of note, in order to use the minimum contract exception, which basically allows you to sign a guy without going um, anywhere into your, any, any, any exception at all other than the minimum, the Hawks could sign him for two years for the minimum. That's the longest they could possibly go unless they wanted to go in the middle level, which they could have done. They did not do in this case. John Hollinger at The Athletic reports um, a league source tells him that, a, that the deal is partially guaranteed for this season and then has a mid-July guarantee date for next season. So July 2023 for the following year. Basically, I have not heard exactly the specifics on the partial guarantee for this year. Uh, that'll probably come out in the, near, in the near future, but I've heard this is definitely the case. I can sort of confirm this is the structure that, I was, that I've also heard behind the scenes. He was the first person to report it. But the mid-July guarantee date for next year gives the Hawks some flexibility. So that's beyond the league turnover date. If they want to move on from Martin, it's probably easy to do that. If not, that's some good flexibility on, on all sides there. Maybe to restructure, whatever you want to do there. Um, but the partial guarantee is interesting for this year. Um, basically it always made sense, especially for the Hawks trying to get under the tax line to sign a rookie minimum deal. And Martin was their only option to go ahead and do that. Even Cooper, who was in the league for one year would have been more expensive on a full contract than Martin would have been. 
that's part of this as well. Um, overall, though, this is a very team-friendly deal for the Hawks. Does that mean it's going to become an all-star? No, or anything like that. But on Martin's side, he gets the roster spot and the guarantee of being at least in camp um, on a deal. He's going to make it some money. The partial guarantee, we'll see how much money that guarantees him, but it's probably more than the two-way would have gotten. Um, and in exchange for that, the Hawks get an extra year of control if Martin were to you know, blossom into a rotation player in the near future. They have him for very cheap for two seasons. And that's sort of the sort of the trade-off here. And generally speaking, second round picks, um, unless you're like at the top five or six picks of the, of the 30s, this is the kind of deal that you can expect for second round pick. If they want to keep you on the roster, um, that's what that's what, sort of the reward for his performance in summer league. And then the Hawks get the team friendly nature of this deal. So all that said, a good move from the Hawks perspective. And Martin gets that at least more security than a lot of guys that are drafted in the 50s might get. From here, the Hawks now have 14 guys on the roster. So if nothing else, the Hawks could start the season right now today with this roster. For the first time the entire way in, in, uh, during the summer, they're now, they basically have a legal roster at this moment. They have 14 guys under contract plus Shawnee Brown on the two-way. Now, that, that does not include anything for, for, for Sharif Cooper. Um, people keep asking about Skylar Mays as well. I have heard uh, nothing on Skylar Mays, just to be honest with you. So I don't know if that means he's going to move on for sure. I don't know if that means he has another offer somewhere else. But right now, I have just heard basically nothing on Skylar. Um, and he, he, unlike Sharif, he was not tendered a qualifying offer. So he is not restricted in any way. Cooper is. So if I had to guess, Mays will probably not, probably not be back unless he just has no other options. But there you go on all of that. They still can, though, sign or acquire a 15th guy if they want to. Um, so they could roll a 14 if they want. That's cheaper in a lot of ways, which might be uh, important for reducting the luxury tax this year. But if they want to have 15, they can go ahead and do that too with a non-guaranteed guy. Last year, at the very end of the line, it was TLC on a non-guaranteed minimum, or 15 overall on the roster. We'll see. And then, of course, they have the other two-way slot alongside Sean Brown if they want to use that in that way. Um, we'll have more on this in the future as the content wheel starts to get a little bit slower with no more games and probably minimal transactions. But as far as luxury tax are, are, is concerned, the Hawks now, even with only 14 guys, are over the tax, about $1.2 million over the tax. That's a very, very small number. As I've said this before, I'll say it one more time here. Teams don't generally end the season that small over the tax. If you're going to go over, you're going to go over. And if you're going to be that close, you're going to get under in some way. So I would still expect, barring a bigger move to add money or add a player more, more aptly, that the Hawks will get under the tax somehow, some way. But they are over right now $1.2 million. And also, that includes none of the incentives that are potentially available to two guys on the roster that have deals that have incentives. Jante Murray and Clint Capella both have incentives that could actually raise the Hawks' payroll if they were to hit all of those incentives combined, which is actually kind of tough to do, as we'll get into probably later on in the summer. But there's about $3.5 million in combined incentives. It's about a million and a half for Murray and about $2 million for Capella in incentives. If they hit all of those, the Hawks would be almost $5 million over the tax. So there you go right now. That's where we are. But uh, they're, they're considered to be unlikely for a reason. That's because they actually are unlikely to be achieved by those players based on, their, based on their previous career performances. But that's where we are at this point in time. And the Hawks, again, have 14 guys on the roster. If they want to just roll with this team, they absolutely can. And uh, we'll get into this later on. People keep, keep asking me if they're, if they're done. I still think if the Hawks, if, I, if I'm a betting man right now, this is the roster for next season, for the most part. If they sign one more guy, 15th, 15th guy, I'm not counting that. I'm talking about like actual major moves, I would certainly say it is more likely than not the Hawks don't do anything else. Now, they still could. Trades are available to them, um, all that fun stuff. But if it's just me, July 16th in the evening, I would guess that the major stuff is probably, I want to say probably done for the Hawks because, look, around the league, most teams are done now. 
Now, the Kevin Durant stuff could change everything. Uh, the Colin Sexton stuff is still out there. Miles Bridges, that weird situation is still out there, unfortunately, for everybody involved. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, most league business, business at, at this point in time, in terms of, like, major guys, uh, more than the minimum signings, et cetera, is done at this point. And the Hawks, of course, being well over the cap and probably not going to use the MLE this year, they are likely to be close to done as well. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. I will have much, much, much more coming on in the future. I have some guests left to talk about Summer League. I have some stuff to talk about uh, DeJounte Murray. And I have a, uh, a, a sort of everybody, a Trey Young breakdown with Glenn Willis in the future that I promise everyone it's not been recorded just yet, but we'll do that at some point along the way. And then I'll have some mailbags. I'll have some uh, experts from around the league to bridge the gap in late July into August and then training camps arriving in September. So we are always here on the podcast. Please, please, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcasts, of course, YouTube on the video side. Please leave five-star ratings and reviews on Apple, Spotify, etc. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. And we'll see you all later on this week.